this week has been busy in the cricketing world. From the ECB being plunged into more trouble, a certain Indian player rel- relinquishing test captaincy. I think we all know who it is. England losing the fifth test after being in a secure position and so much more. This episode is jam-packed with content. Without further ado, let's get started. I think we, will, we have to start with the Ashes. England just, I think, 20 minutes ago, just uh, lost their fifth test after being in a pretty strong position. I think it was like 68 for zero and they needed 271 to win and they had the whole of day five to bat as well. But somehow they managed to lose an extra nine wickets in that um, in the last session, plus one just at the end of the second session. And they managed to collapse to something like 124 all out, even though I think a lot of Australian players at the end of session two would have been pretty worried that England were actually going to mount a fight and could actually win this test. And the series would be 3-1. Um, so how did they lose that much? How did, how did they manage to collapse that much? I don't understand. Well, I think like it's been kind of trend in for the whole rash is like England just having one good partnership and then just collapsing off that. So I'm not sure. I think it's, it just might be like I'm not sure why this happened because it like it was a pretty big collapse and and, and yeah. Yeah, no, I think and the really surprising thing is it's that normally the partnerships between, you know, Root and Milan or some other more significant partnership in the middle of our order. But then actually it was our top two batsmen, um, Zach Crawley and Rory Burns, who actually made a 68 run partnership and and both bat- batted pretty well. Rory Burns, un- unfortunately, getting out, hit um, ball hitting his glove as he tried to leave the ball and crashing onto the stumps. And then after that, it was just regular wickets, I think. Uh, Dowd Milan getting out. Um, yeah, then uh, you had um, Crawley, uh, Stokes, and so on and so forth, and it just kept going. Um, obviously, for anyone who's, who did watch it, you would have known that it was actually there's a lot of C movement involved. There's a lot of um, lateral movement. Um, it was swinging the moment it was swinging after it bounced as well. So it's actually pretty surprising. Like it was, it was a lot of movement, and it was probably as much as the day before as well. But um, there was, it was not exactly easy conditions to bat. But the fact that England needed 271 runs to win the test and they had 40 overs today and an extra 80, probably most likely 80 overs tomorrow. So it's 120 overs meant that there wasn't exactly an issue of scoring and there, there was no rush to score. You know, we could have just defended and plodded at one, two runs and over and then ramped it up if need be. Um, yeah, I think at one point, and this is the first time it's happened in the series, it, the Winvis, the um, win predictor said England had um, more than England had the largest chance of winning, which was fifty-two percent to Australia's forty-eight, and that's not happening in the series at all. So um, it was looking like they were going to win. Everyone thought, you know, England would actually have a chance. Everyone knows that, you know, England batting is going to collapse. But um, would you say, Emma, would you say it's mainly the poor batting or good bowling that took the wicket? So which which one? I think it's probably a combination of both. Like there were some very soft just like Rory Burns. Sam Billings. Then there were other just unlucky ones like Root dismissal was very unlucky. So I think it was a combination of both. And yeah, and also, and also Stokes like he's like there were two men deep and he could have just like ducked to his and but he instead played it and um, played a pull shot and go the deep. So yeah, yeah. I just think. It, England just didn't have a control. Obviously, it's good to go out positive and back the back positively, but 
if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna bat positively, you've also got to have that control and know which balls to defend, which balls not to. Um, Zach Rawley's was a bit, you know, it was it was just lack of foot movement. I think, you know, it was just it was a full ball pitch. Um, it was probably pretty much driving length. He'd done a similar ball a couple of overs before where he'd driven and um, yeah, it, it hit the stumps. But like, uh, it would it would have gone if the stumps went in the way, it would have gone for four. It was a, a, a good shot. So uh, that was a bit unfortunate. And um, yeah, and I think generally it was just it was it was a combination of you know putting pressure by the um, Australian bowlers, you know, rigorous line and length, but then England, you know, not not really knowing the answer to it, you know, not having an idea of what to do. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think there's still hope though in England's batting because they were very close to winning the Test and they should have capitalised on, you know, only 270 runs to win and you had that many overs and you know, as long as you survive the evening today and you could have come out in the afternoon tomorrow and you know batted batted well and it would have been less of a challenge in the conditions. Do you think England? Uh, should have capitalised on it or do you think you know it was pretty much destined for them to lose I think they should have capitalised on it they had a very good open partnership which like fed the base for them and then they've got a really they've got they've got a decent middle order so they should have capitalised on that yeah I don't think it's respect it's not reflective of all the hard work the bowlers put in in the previous inning you know, Mark Wood taking six wickets getting, getting Australia all out for something in the uh, something under 150 which is really impressive for an Australian batting side that scored, you know, 400 pretty regularly. Um, yeah, so then I guess now the focus is on, you know, the next um, series, not in Australia, just any um, next test matches. Who do you think is going to be kept at the core of England's team? You know, who do you think will be our first uh, players named on the team sheet, whether they're batsmen or bowlers, just general, any player? Who do you think is going to be like the first, uh, first three players who are going to be on the team sheet every test? So I think Zach Forley will. He... he End of the series very well, and mm. and I think so. Wait, did you say three people? Three people. Uh, yeah, three or more. Um, doesn't really matter. Just the core core players of the team. So I think Milan. I think I hear a tough series, but he started off well. I think he has the ability to like four big runs, and, and obviously Root. Yeah. So, Keeper and the keepers kind of I'm, I'm like the keeper. I think Besto could be a keeper. He's thought he's got hundreds. He, he has a good pair of hands behind the stumps. And then the yeah. bowlers, you can kind of rotate between Anderson, George, Robinson, and Wood. The spinners still um undecided. Yeah, I think um. For me, I I don't know. In terms of core batsmen, uh, I would always go. I would obviously root. I'm I'm still not convinced completely by Stokes. I uh, he I think he's done enough to you know show he's good you know good enough to be the core of the team. Um, so root Stokes, and then um, Crawley would be third. And then apart from that, I would keep it flexible because it depends on who's in form, who's not. Because you know Rory Burns, if he's 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 doing okay. Um, you know, he's shown he can, you know, he's got the shots, but he's just got to um, make sure, you know, he don't, we don't want any soft dismissals. There's two soft dismissals. In the first innings, he got run out. And the second innings, um, yeah. he was, uh, you know, he hit the glove and onto the stumps uh, when leaving the ball. So that was even, that was a bit disappointing. So, yeah. and it really depends on who's in form. And bowlers, I wouldn't actually keep restricted at all. I would just keep it, you know, dependent on, you know, conditions. But um, I think Stuart Broad's done enough to be considered for every test. Um, 
Jimmy Anderson, no. Uh, if it's in, in England, then yes, of course. But um, outside of England, I still don't think he, ha- you know, this series exactly hasn't, he hasn't lit up the, you know, the entire series. He's, he's, his economy has been amazing and he's taken a few wickets, but not enough to be like, okay, we want Jimmy for every te- five or three out of the five tests. We're resting for two. I think, you know, it's, it's just flexible on the, the, the pitch and things like that. But yeah, um, who do you think is, who do you think's, you know, going to find it pretty tough to get themselves back in the team who's just been dropped? Or who do you think from from this test might get dropped out of all the you know the eleven in the team? I think I think Oli Kofi is a very good ass, but like the way he gets out, it, like he gets out, like it always just looks very soft. Like for the future, he'll be very good, but I think he'll find it hard to get back into the team after in the in the summer. Yeah, no, Oli Pope, no, he's he can score a good temperament, and he's got a lot of good shots. But you know he hasn't performed at all in you know the um, in the top level. Like at least Rory Burns, I've scored you know quite a few fifties and I think a couple of centuries as well. Same with Zach Crawley, you know, two hundred sixty-seven against Pakistan. You know, but um, Oli Pope hasn't scored many big runs, so we don't even know if it's possible for him to score those you know centuries, uh, um, you know, high seventies plus, you know, even um, hundred fifties things like that. We don't know because we haven't seen enough of it. So I think he should go back to drawing board, hundred percent. And you know, focus. Um, do you think there's a way back for Dom Sibley or Hasib Hamid? I think I think Hamid has um, to get back to this, but I'm not sure about Sibley. And Hamid got a few starts in the series, but like in the first test, he got a start. I think he can back, but Sibley, I'm not really sure about it. Yeah. I think credit needs to go to the Australian bowlers as well. You know, they, they in order to rip through an entire test team um, in take nine wickets in one session. And, you know, that session, there's still, at least, I think still probably uh, 10 overs left, something like that. But, um, you know, they ripped through the entire team, nine wickets in one session, and then one wicket just before the end, um, just, just at the end of the second session. Uh, you've just taken a lot of, so many wickets so quickly. And, I think the main player for Australia, the standout, is 100% um, Green. I think he's uh, played really, really well. Cameron Green, he's done um, so impressively. His batting average is in the low 30s, which is good for his position. He comes in like 6'7". And his bowling average is like 15 or something like that. That's absolutely yeah. you know, stunning for someone playing their first Ashes series at the age of 22. What do you think yeah. about him? Yeah, I think his bowling's improved a lot compared to last year. And also his batting, like he started, he struggled at the start of the series, but then like he's, I think he started batting better and better, like in Mel, after Melbourne, Sydney, over. I think his batting really well in all of his matches. Uh, he improved a lot. Yeah, he doesn't like look. If you look at the England batsmen, half of them are like worried about getting out to some Australian bowler because you know the Australians are going so well, and it's just there's always a constant threat. Whereas with him, he doesn't really look. You know, oh my god, the ball is just missing my bat. Or I'm, I'm in like a, my footwork is going off, and I'm just not batting well. And when he gets yeah. out for low scores, it's just you know playing shot. It's fine because we know that you know we've seen him. We've seen examples of him play really well and bat like yeah. really, and he really complements you know the, the top order of um. Australia's top order, who are generally, you know, you've got Warner, you've got Travis Head, you've got Kawaja, who all score really quickly. And then you've got like Labashane Smith, who are a bit slower scorers. So I think he complements them all really well with um, with some solid batting and he scores a decent scoring rate. So he, is, he could easily dominate, you know, the next, in, in a couple of Ashes series, he could be like the leading player for Australia's team. 
And do you think he could be like a like this is in the long future, but like in like five years maybe when all these um, when like Mitchell Stark, Cummins, um, Hayeswood and stuff like uh, towards the end of the careers are retiring, do you think um, he could be a shout for the captaincy, Australia's captaincy? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's also like I think also head head is quite young, Labuschagne is young, so they can also be captains. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think he has the unique perspective of being a bowler and a batsman. You know, he can yeah. he bowls and he bats as well, and he then he scores runs and scores runs in batting and takes wickets. So he gives he could, you know he could be like balanced to the team, sort of like if you yeah. were to, if Stokes were to be the captain for England, you know, um, yeah. Do you do you have a yeah. oh yeah um do you think I there's think, a chance oh yeah sorry continue continue I was just gonna say I think Cameron Green is a sort of player who could be in the team as a batsman or a bowler, so that's really helpful for Australia. Yeah, like you, you need that all rounder. I think think Australia really have a, a pace bowling all rounder because obviously they have a lot of uh, part time spin bowlers. But you know, um, Osman Khawaja I think can, um, Travis Head can, Steve Smith can, Lance Labuschagne. But if you have a pace bowling all rounder, that's like the real thing because it, it really you know adds you an extra pace bowler. And pace bowlers are the ones who yes. you know if you're playing in like conditions like England, for example, you want more pace bowlers. And if you're playing even Australian day night tests, you know, so he's a real big asset um so yeah the, we we've talked about you know who will be kept as core of england's team anyone who'll be you know dropped how about joe root what do you think about him do you think he's going to continue being captain or do you think there's a chance he could be replaced and who by um i don't think he should be captain but the problem is no not like there's there are not many people who can be captain like there's some people like rory brown he's an experienced captain but like he isn't even like locked in the squad so I think if he if Bruce is in captain, it could be Stokes, but he gets injured too often. I think so. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, Joe Root rarely gets injured. Where Stokes, obviously, he's got because he bowls and bats as well. Um, yeah, as you said, Burns and uh, of course, like if you can't have a captain who's barely making it into the team and could easily be dropped, you need your captain to be like the mainstay of the team. And someone like Joe Root who scored a thousand seven hundred runs last year. Of course, he's going to be the main player in the team. Joe Root's decision making's been questionable the first three tests. I think towards the last two tests, there wasn't exactly much he could do. Fourth test being a draw, you know, then battling up a draw. And the fifth test, you know, it's not exactly Joe Root's fault if the whole batting order collapses. You know, that's there. Obviously, it's good bowling. It's also individual batsmen's fault. So I don't think he could do much for that. But yeah, there is a question on him. There is 100% a question. Yeah, um, yeah so that that's just disappointing overall. Um, something else that's uh, also pretty disappointing in terms of English cricket is the recently published DCMS review. So that's the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, um, the government department pu- uh, publishing a review into um, the ECB and the Yorkshire uh, County Cricket Club scandal that's been going on. Um, so, yeah, it's been actually pretty well you know, received as such. You know, people at Azim Rafiq have been actually pretty... Um, you know, happy that someone is, you know, um, accusing the ECB of, um, you know, not doing their job because there's no one else to check up on the ECB as such because obviously ECB like the main governing board of English cricket. Um, basically, the DCMS uh, report is suggesting that there is deep-seated racism in English cricket and the sport needs to clean up its act. Um, the ECB should get limited or lose its public funding. Um, 
if it doesn't uh, meet these um, sort of indicators uh, and um, doesn't publish, um, doesn't keep up track with, you know, the improvements that, um, that are expected by it. So for example, they should set some like, I think something like a set of key indicators just to make sure and provide quarterly updates to the uh, DCMS committee. So basically it sort of sort of reminds you of like um, uh, someone, you know, if, if a little child's been naughty and they have to report back to their teachers, they're saying how they're going to improve. It's a bit, it's a bit um, shocking as well because you know it's making the ECB sound pretty trivial and it's, it, but it's pretty you know, brutal. But it's truthful. You know, there's been a huge amount of issues with racism. There's been apparently over four thousand previous cricketers or something like that who've um, who've spoken to this, like I think it's a hotline that of um, you know about racism and about um, experiencing racism. And there's been sixty professional cricketers currently who've said that they've experienced racism. So it's it's, it's a big deal. Um, Amar, what do you think this um, report is going to have what impact will it have on you know the ECB's decision making or you know the what what might happen in the future in terms of this racism issue? Well, I think it could like encourage more people to like speak out about it maybe. Um, but I'm not really sure. I think it could like the ECB will like be more like careful about like racism and increase and yeah, they might have more. I think the real key thing is the funding cut. You know, like we don't know how what it could as as like people who follow cricket and play cricket, we don't exactly know how what kind of like in numbers what impact it's going to have. But obviously, we can assume that you know if we cut some of the funding, that means that they won't have enough money to do. You know, um, we might we might lose money. You know, for the um, grassroots game, you know, funding clubs and stuff like that, and and yeah. tournaments. You know, we've got like things like the under 13 national t20 cup under 15 things like that might you know go, disappear or just there might not be enough money to fund things like that and that could have a pretty disastrous impact on english cricket um and it could have an impact on you know young players coming up but to be fair it is it is ecb's fault you know they've literally been they, they've um you know not listened to people like zima Rafiq speaking out um yeah it's uh They've they've not you know listened to people who've spoken out about racism. They haven't done enough measures. They didn't punish. They didn't actually name you know. They didn't say this this and this person need to um you know I don't know need to resign or something because they've been in and uh, they've done something wrong. It was no like there was no direct blame put on anyone and it's a bit shocking. Um yeah. Uh, do you think um do you think do you think that the ECB will progress through this? Do you think this might like you know for on the in the short term put like a have a big impact on the ECB uh, or do you think they'll eventually you know come through and just and you know take this as an opportunity I think it could have an impact um like government not funding the ECB and it could be like could like turn into a long-term impact like one sees it's like some matches like some junior players like on getting to like for example like watch match watch matches it could affect like how the game is like Paid over here. Mm, yeah, I, th I think I think it's just really um, it's just just really shocking that you know all this like if we if we go back to I don't know a year ago you know it's it's a pretty unheard thing. Azim Rafiq's first speaking out September twenty twenty. So a year ago it wasn't really a big deal. Then look how much has exploded. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's also another issue with Yorkshire County Cricket Club being losing um, their privilege to host international um, fixtures. So 
that in itself is another worry. You know, international fixtures bring loads of money. You know, you've got um, at least watching things like T20, ODI, and even Test as well. There's thousands of people come to watch in stadiums. Um, the I think the chairman of Yorkshire County Cricket Club, uh, Lord Patel, said that you know this could have um, a fi- it could be a financial crisis at Yorkshire. But the issue is, is that unless the, all this funding is going to not is not going to is going to be cut if the um, if there's no progress seen. So you know it's up to it's up to the ECB, it's up to Yorkshire County Cricket Club to show that you know they're they're um, making some improvements and there's new um, systems in to get rid of the systematic racism. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be a pretty knock-on effect in English cricket. It's not looking too good. I don't think so. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we'll go on to two um, major changes in English cricket. Uh, sorry, not English cricket, in international cricket. Um, firstly, Ross Taylor retired um, from Test cricket uh, just uh, in this week. Um, he played his last Test against Bangladesh and uh, surprisingly took the last wicket um, to win the test so that was a, he took a last wicket on the last ball of his test career which is um yeah which is uh, very nice nice touch for him um yeah everyone knows Ross Taylor's average across all three formats is impressive um yeah I think he averages high 40s in test cricket he's just he's just been a consistent player over the last 15 years for um uh, New Zealand and I think you know his his batting the solidity of his batting will be really missed um, by New Zealand um what are your views on Ross Taylor and his career, Emma? Yeah, he's a very good player. Like he, like when you didn't were in like tough situations, like in the, for example, in the, um, World Cup semi final twenty nineteen, he just went and like scored a fifty, which which could like which like help him, and he hit the ball really cleanly in T twenties, ODIs, and Test matches. He could score big scores, like in he scored in Australia, he scored like a big two hundred a few years ago. Maybe seven years ago, I think. Yeah, so uh, this very consistent player. Um, I, in terms of uh, New Zealand, very lucky. Although they're a small nation, they have a lot of you know young characters, such as Will Young, who's recently come to the team, and they've got um, you know Devin Conway. Uh, they have got uh, Daryl Mitchell as well. Just just players who are um, who can bat really well and can fill up the void. So they're okay. Um, New Zealand cricket shouldn't be too impacted, but he's still a very good player. Um, that I've got a pretty interesting fact. Um, Ross Taylor in his career in all formats has taken the second most catches in the world in in, a, in his career span. So um, he took 364 catches in his career. Um, the first most is Mahela J. Wardney on 440. There was a big gap between them, but 364 catches, that's a lot of catches considering the amount of cricket he would have played. Um, he's probably played in the 200s, 300s um, amount of um, you know matches, but 364 catches. He has helped a lot of wickets for New Zealand. Without his, if if we put a different player on, you could assume that you know he's dropped. He would have dropped a lot more. Um, yeah, he would have dropped a lot more. I think he has something like an 80 percent uh, catch rate or something like that, which is um, I think the the highest is um, Graham Smith. I think who has like something 85 like percent in the world. This is this is during their career. You know, the individual's career, but. 80% catch rate is actually pretty good considering some of these, some of the ones that we count as possible catches or misses could be like, you know, just dropping short and things like that. Um, or like ones that are like pretty much impossible. They actually get a hand to it, things like that. So 80% is really high and um, it's a lot better than England's um, uh, slips, fielders, catchings, and just general catching. Yeah. Our, our slips are 
very, very bad. You know, they can barely catch. I have no clue why, but, you know, e- even the captain, Joe Root, drops loads. It's just, we- we're just generally known for our dropping of catches. Like, considering we're one of the top four test teams in the world, you'd be a bit surprised and uh, our fielding in the slips is actually really bad. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah. I mean, New Zealand have got like, they've been like really solid, especially, they haven't, I don't, I haven't seen them drop many catches, whereas most other teams, Australia, India, England, they've, I've seen him drop quite a lot of cash in the slip. Yeah, so uh, hopefully um, New, Ze- New Zealand can you know ride the storm. Which the initial shock of him lot, um, him retiring and fill up the gap with our new, younger new batsmen. Um, yeah, who can have a career as good as his. Um, yeah, so the next um, thing I sort of hinted to in the intro, which was um, uh, an Indian batsman uh, stepping down as Test captain and. Uh, as you probably already know, it was Virat Kohli. Um, he stepped down as T20 captain after the World Cup. He stepped down. He was um, actually, he didn't step down for OGI. He actually got replaced uh, by Rohit Sharma. Um, I think the um, the Indian cricket board uh, decided to replace him. Um, yeah, so now he actually stepped down himself as test captain. So yeah, Virat Kohli led 68 tests. He won 40 of them, drew 11 and lost 17. Pretty good record, I think. Um yeah, I think everyone in everyone's mind, the real shock is, why did he leave now? Why why go now after, you know, their, their top team in the Test rankings? They just lost in, um, well, they came second in the World Test Championship. They had a pretty good Test series, uh, season over the last few years, especially under Virat Kohli's reign. Um, why why do you think um, Virat Kohli decided to step down now, Emma? Well, I think it's probably got to do with his batsman. Like, he hasn't been able to score many runs recently. I think the pre- like as captain, the pressure could be on him. So I think to see the pressure off, he's just like let go of captaincy, and maybe he like maybe he'll be able to score runs. But yeah, it's quite surprising because he's like he's a very dominating person, and um him not as captain, like I can't really see him not being captain in any team. Yeah, I know. Considering he's been like a main player in the team, so I think he took captain the time season like twenty fifteen. That's nearly seven years now. Um, yeah, I, I'm also considering his like personality, the energy he brings, and the whole aggressiveness. Um, any replacement of him is not going to really bring that. I don't think so. I don't think there's enough player. There's no one like him as unique as him. Um, yeah, I think a lot. There's been it's well documented that you know captain bat uh, captains who are batsmen you know, can can lose a bit of form when being captain. You know they can um, the general the averages can go down and things like that. But um, it hasn't really affected Rat Kohli for the last like five, six years, except for the last, since 2019, it has affected him a bit more. You know, he hasn't been scoring. Um, I think also um, the Indian cricket board uh, would have also had something in, in their mind thinking, you know, um, if, if, if he's uh, just a batsman and he's not scoring many runs, you can drop him or you can even think, you can think about dropping him, but you can't really drop your captain as such um, yeah. because, you know, that would look really strange. Obviously dropping your captain would be um, your captain, especially the main player on the team. Um, yeah, so uh, the real question now is who's going to replace him? Who do you think will? Who do you think are candidates that could possibly replace him? So I think um, so. You've got I think the best captain would be Rahane, but like his batting has been very good either. Um, then there's you've got Sharma, who's uh, who's who's batting been good recently for opening the batting tests, and he also has experienced captain. And Kale Rahul, who also has experienced captaincy in the IPL, and he's been batting very well recently as well. Mm. 
Yeah, so you've got three clear, probably standout candidates. Um, uh, so I would, before we talk about each of them, do you think there's a possibility of a bowler being a captain, like um, like how uh, Pat Cummins is for Australia? Do you think there's the possibility for India to have a bowler as a captain? Um, maybe, but like as you've seen last year, India scores have been quite prone to injury. So maybe they, maybe Brimmer could, but yeah. Yeah, they haven't. Mm, who would you really? Because you've got Ishant Sharma, but he's he's sort of been a bit in and out of the team as such because his form hasn't been too good. Uh, Jasper Bumran, I wouldn't really give him the captaincy. To be fair, doesn't really seem like a leader. Um, he leads a bowling attack, but like I don't think he's a leader in terms of you know he he doesn't have enough you know batting influence as well. Like you know because he's not exactly a batsman. Um, that's yeah. why if you had an all rounder, it would be really good at pace bowling all rounder as a captain. Like as we talked yeah. about Cameron Green possibly being captain for Australia in like the long long term future. Um see you depends on whether you want to have a batsman, a really good batsman as your captain, who might be less tactically adept, but then you could have a really or you could have a really, you know, tactically minded captain who's not a very good batsman, like Rahane, who's not been who has barely scored recently, you know, it's been really bad form. I think he's pretty much only in the team because he's the vice captain and especially with Kohli on now. You know, we need a leader, but then I think I think yeah, he's actually been dropped by vice captain. So for this talk South Africa, he wasn't vice captain. It was Kale? Oh, was he not? Oh, okay. No. That's actually see that that could be a move. You know, that could be um, showing that you know Rahani might not be part of the long term future of you know India's leadership. That's I did not know about that. That's actually crazy. So Kale Rahul. So then now they've gone for Kale Rahul. Obviously, Rohit Sharma's injured because I think it would have gone to Rohit Sharma if he was there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think now it's it's looking like your two main, your three main candidates, Rahane, uh, Rahul, and Sharma. But I think Rahane will be not. I don't think Rahane will be picked just virtue of his um one. He's been you know dropped as vice captain, and two because he's not his batting form's not been good enough. Um, Kara Rahul, see, I my my issue with putting a captain as an open, open as a captain is that um I, I don't want it to impact Rahul's performances because he's been a, he's a good batsman. His average has been pretty good. Um, him and Argyle have been um, batting pretty well. Uh, yeah, I think, but I think, I think you still, with Sharma, you know, right, Sharma is opening for Mumbai Indians and, you know, the ODI team as well. So he has experience captaining and opening. So I think Sharma, right, Sharma for me looks like, you know, the, the most obvious option. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, cool. So uh, that's pretty much all the news that we've had um, in cricket this week. It's been quite a lot, surprisingly. And then, um, Let's just uh, talk about any upcoming cricket in the next week. We next week's gonna be a jam-packed um, cricket week. There we've got the South Africa India ODIs. I think that's gonna be that's probably something to watch because after India losing the Test series two one, um, South Africa uh, sorry India will be looking for um, you know to, to avenge their loss and ODI team in, uh, India's ODI team is probably quite quite more superior than uh, to South Africa's team. they are India's ODI team. Are quite a bit better than South Africa. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think South Africa. I think that South Africa's bowling, you know, is good, but their batting, their gap, their batting was a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that could be a, a really tight. That could be a good competition. Um, we've also got Sri Lanka Zimbabwe Test, um, the Under Nineteen World Cup. Um, this is on Sky Sports as well. Um, a lot of the current, you know, world's best players um, played in the in the Under Nineteen World Cup at some point. Um, so and they've and from that they've 
you know, had a platform to play for their, uh, the senior men's team. So a lot of the players you might be watching this year could be in the next, you know, three, four years playing for their respective teams uh, in the senior squad. So I think it's really cool to see the talent. And it's actually not too much of a difference between the under-19, the quality of the under-19s playing and, you know, the quality of the senior squad. Obviously, you know, it's not exactly the the, the intensity and the, you know, the pace of bowling and things like that. But um, for, uh, for, for 19-year-olds, you know, and 18, seven, some of these like 17, 18 year olds, it's actually a really good standard. So I think it's a good yeah. watch. I think it's a really good watch. Um, yeah, uh, Big Bash, that's also on Sky Sports. Um, I think we're sort of coming towards the end and it's going into like the semis and finals. Um, yeah, that, it's pretty interesting um, because a lot of, I think there's, there's quite a few, Sam Billings was playing there and scoring a few runs. There are, you, It's a lot of recognizable players are playing there. So um, yeah, it's nice to watch. And the final main um, uh, cricket coming next week is the women's Ashes. So straight after the men's Ashes finish, you've got the women's. And theirs is in a uh, different format to the men's. It's not just Test cricket. It's actually three T20s, three ODIs and a Test. Um, yeah, and they've. I think it's... Uh, what's the point system um, for the uh, women's Ashes, Amar? I think it was so the Test. So if you win the Test, you get four points. And for the... Um, for limits over game is, is two points if you win. Cool, yeah. So it's it's different to the men's, but it's still going to be good watching it. England and Australia, England the current ODI champions, Australia the T Twenty champions um, for the women's. So it's going to be two good teams playing against each other, um, yeah. and I think that's probably also on Sky Sports as well. So um, yeah, we've got a lot of cricket to watch this week. Hopefully, you know, we get some good results like South Africa India and the women's Ashes are the two main ones for me to look at. I think uh, they'll be good. But yeah, that's it from us today. Um, hopefully, England can sort out their squad. And for the next series, I think it might be either New Zealand or India as the next test series, or maybe the West Indies. I can't remember. But um, yeah, so we, we've got test series coming up. Hopefully, we can sort out our squad and be a better test team. And it might be quite different to the one we've seen for the fifth test. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty much it from us. Thank you, Amar. And um, see you on the next episode.